Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. Tomorrow night, uh, the debut of the Mercer Report for the 15th season. And I've been looking forward to this ever since I finished last spring. Uh, and so many other Canadians, too. And joining us to talk about what's in store for us is, of course, the host of the Mercer Report, the one and only Rick Mercer. Rick, welcome back to the program. It's great to have you with us again today. Thank you very much. Uh, first and foremost, before we talk a little bit about the upcoming season, uh, yep. I'm just following you on Twitter here. And, and listen, confirm it that is this the final season for the Mercer Report coming up? Yeah, this morning I actually I released a little uh, little rant. It's not like my normal rant, but I released a little rant on social media saying that this was the final season of the Mercer Report, and uh, and there's no real reason, you know. I always thought that I would do it as long as I was having fun and people were watching and there were great stories to tell and all of those things are still in place. It's just uh, I've just figured it was time and I needed to give uh, the the entire team a heads up because. This is 14 years now. I mean, we've, and the vast majority of us have been together since day one, so people need to uh, get their ducks in a row. Well, this is incredible. I mean, you've pushed Donald Trump off the front pages, Rick. I mean, <laughs> nobody was expecting, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, nobody was expecting that would be this a great today. <laughs> uh, and you would be honored if, for doing so, if, if in fact that does happen. But, but I, I, I know you're still having a blast doing this because every time we talk, you're having a great time, and I know the crew oh, loves doing know. this show too. But, but why now? You're, you're still a know. young man. I am having a blast. You know, like, at this point of the year, uh, I mean, most things you see on the show, we shoot that week. But uh, about a couple of weeks ago, we always head out on the road to to put some stuff in the bank, some road pieces, because it enables us to shoot in some warm weather, because so much of our show is done in the winter, mm-hmm. and we're all muffed up to the eyebrows. Um, and in that one trip, I went from coast to coast to coast. And people say that all the time. But we really did it. We shot on the Pacific, we shot on the Atlantic, and then we were in the Arctic Circle, literally in the Arctic Ocean. And so, you know, it's, it's tough to walk away from those kinds of opportunities. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great job. I still love it. Um, but, you know, we're well past the life expectancy of hit TV shows. And I just keep thinking that uh, it's time to to end on my own terms, I guess, because that so rarely happens in television. But a lot of people that I respect the most in this business, they've managed to do that. So it's always been a goal of mine. I remember having a conversation I had a couple of years ago with Yannick Bison, of course, the star of Murdoch Mysteries, uh, another iconic CBC show. And I said, congratulating him on the show coming back. And he says, you know, he said, I'm a Canadian actor. He says, we're just glad we get renewed from season to season. And I mean, it, it may sound silly because of the ratings and everything like yeah, but that, that's the harsh reality of television, isn't it? I think everyone feels that way. You know, my hero has always been Gordon Pinson, because when yeah. I was growing up in Newfoundland, I mean, Gordon was not only a Newfoundlander, but he was in Hollywood, and he was doing Hollywood TV shows and movies, and, and then he was coming home and doing these, you know, these big Canadian movies, and he was by far, like, you know, the person I looked up to the most. I still do. Uh because of my career, I became friendly with Gordon, and the thing I was amazed at when the first time I met him is he was, he was worried, sick, about where his next job was coming from. And I was like, my God, you're Gordon Vincent. But I, I don't think that ever leaves anyone. And I don't know if it's a Canadian thing or if it's a Canadian showbiz thing because, you know, things are a little leaner here or, or if it's a showbiz thing in general. But I think, you, you know, that, there's no harm in that. You don't want to be complacent. You know, you've got to go to work and you've got to, you know, do your best all the time. If you get complacent, well, it's over. 
Did you get a chance to uh, to get home? I know you've been bit busy trying to pre-tape a lot of the stuff for the show, but you always like to get uh, back home for, to the oh, Rock yeah, for a little while, no, don't I'm you? Finally building a, I'm finally building a cabin in Newfoundland, so it's been a bit different. You know, I now I when I go home, I have a project. I just don't visit, you know, with family. I actually have a project, and that's been pretty exciting. I've, I've enjoyed that part. So so I can see what's happening then. Instead of the Mercer Report, you're going on a Home and Garden TV like with Mike Holmes? <laughs> no, I'm not, definitely not going to Home and Garden No, TV. no? I've, I've tried to watch certain episodes episodes of that type of programming because I'm building a cabin, but no, it's a bit of a stretch. Rick becomes one of the property brothers. I can see that now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I haven't decided what's next, but I don't think that's it. Listen, i got to ask you, we talked about this last year just before the premiere. Uh, how do you decide uh, about where you're going to go and the sorts of things? I mean, you get requests from all over the country, and you talked about that whirlwind trip where you went to coast to coast and, well, up into the Arctic as well. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but, I mean, you're hanging off one of the longest bridges around, uh, you know, oh, yeah. suspended from this. I mean, there's some rather bizarre things that you do. This is, and I, I found it fascinating that you, you almost characterize this as, as your own bucket list, really. Well, it's not just so much my bucket list. It's, it's other people's bucket lists. For example, like I've jumped out of three airplanes in my life. That's mm-hmm. never been on my bucket list. And really, there'd be a very, if, if, you know, if you're going to take bets of me ever doing that again without a TV camera, I mean, I would easily give you 100 to 1. Um, it's not something I would normally do. So, but it's quite often it's other people's bucket lists. I actually sat on a plane once with a fellow who had a bucket list because he had a brush with death, and he'd actually retired. He was about a 60-year-old guy. He retired. He obviously had a few bucks. And I don't know if there was something else going on, if he was on borrowed time, but he, he had this bucket list of things he was going to do. And I kind of found that fascinating because I've, you know, seen that as a plot in the movie, but I never ever met anyone who had actually done it. And as he kept talking about his bucket list, I had to tell myself to shut up because every time he mentioned something, I'd say, oh, yeah, you got to do that. I've done that. It's great. I did it here. Oh, yeah, you should try that. I've done it. Then I was like, shut up, Rick. Like, you're, you've, you've lived this man's bucket list. I just stop talking. And so then I pretended, oh, that sounds interesting. But I had basically done everything. So, again, you don't walk away from that lightly. It's, uh, it's while, you know, not jump, while jumping out of an airplane is not on my bucket list. I have no regrets in the fact that I got to do it with members of the Canadian Forces and, you know, uh, and the experiences that I've had, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade that for the world. You know what I love about the show, among many things, is is that obviously there's a formula to it. And, you know, there's the rant, of course, and there's the front page and so many other great segments. And, and I always love the commercial parody that you do uh, in the first part of the show as well. But the show has evolved. I mean, you've changed within those parameters, too. Uh, it's always fresh. You, it's it's never the same old, same old. Like, okay, let's, let's do this bit now. No, we and we changed the rules, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like our opening show, we're training with Invictus. Uh, athletes, right? Wounded warriors. And I've, I've developed a relationship with a, mo- a lot of members of the Canadian Forces. I mean, you know, we've shot... Oh, you've been over there a lot, yeah. I visited Afghanistan during that conflict, but also the show has gone to perhaps almost every military base in the country at one point or another. And as a result, I've developed, you know, friendships with people who, when I met them, you know, they were entirely able-bodied, and some of them, unfortunately, now are wounded warriors. And, and so it was important for me to open with the Invictus uh, Games athletes. But one of the most important things about the Invictus Games athletes is that this is not the Paralympics. This is not, well, yes, you know, there's athletes missing limbs and in wheelchairs, and you see that in the Paralympics. Uh, You know, the vast majority of athletes do not have visible injuries. It's post-traumatic stress. And 
you know, it was suggested to me, like, really, you're going to open the final season of your comedy show talking to people about post-traumatic stress disorder? And I thought, yeah, you know what? That's exactly what we're going to do. And uh, it, mightn't be, it mightn't be what many comedy shows would do. And I'm really proud of it. You know, we got, you know, athletes talking proudly, strongly, confidently about post-traumatic stress. And a big part of that, the Invictus Games, is to show the other people who are suffering and not getting the help, that it's time to step up and, and get that help. So I, I'm thrilled that we could put them on the show. And, you know, there was I saw an interview with this guy that was very serious, and he was talking about his head injury, and I could just see, I thought, I know this guy is funny. Like, he's just not getting an opportunity to be funny because people are treating him with such kid gloves, and they don't want to say the wrong thing. Well, I've been around enough soldiers, know the last thing you have to worry about is saying the wrong thing. So, you know, <laughs> we just had a great time, and uh, I think that the piece we shot really captures the spirit of the athletes going into it. You know, they're not, they're not just in this to inspire. They're, uh, they've got a... That you know they're uh, they're they're a pretty good fun bunch. But this is not really surprising because you've never been afraid to take a chance and step up and 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 speak out on social issues in the past. I mean, uh, oftentimes you've done it during the ramp, but during other parts of the program as well. So this 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 is a comfort level for you, and 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 if you feel I, the I'm desire totally from the passion, I'm totally comfortable doing it. But you know, there's no doubt about it. Certain times, you know, certain stories. Um, you know, don't necessarily, on the surface, lend themselves to a comic treatment. And uh, and so sometimes it's tricky. And, you know, dealing with people with post-traumatic stress disorder is certainly, you know, one of those things that on paper you wouldn't think, well, that'll be a thousand laughs. Uh, but uh, it's just important to do, and it's important to destigmatize it, I guess, and to, to uh, you know, send the message that it's entirely normal i mean and it's no different than i mean we've certainly reached a point in society where you know if you're talking to someone with you know missing an arm you certainly don't have any really weird you know preconceptions about what that means you're just missing an arm that's just the way it is and uh and so i think yeah we're going to get to that point where people realize with you know with mental illness and things like post-traumatic stress that uh, they're just like any one of us they just happen to be have a certain set of challenges that maybe we don't have. And uh, like I say, it all comes through in the piece. And it's, you know, I mean, even they were surprised. They were like, wow, we're going to be on a comedy show talking about post-traumatic stress. I was like, yes, next it'll be the musical. You know, <laughs> who knows? Uh, you've never been afraid to, to, to accept new challenges or to walk away from success. I mean, people may tend to forget uh, that, that you were actually part of the original cast of This Hour is 22 Minutes. Uh, the, the, yes, of course, it's on right after your show now. Yeah, it, it's been that long that some people do forget. Like, you know, that was eight years of my life, and that, you know, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, it completely changed my life. But, yeah, I was one of the creators of that show, and there was four of us, and and one wig, and no writers, and uh, <laughs> and some some ATCO trailers, and uh, it was uh, it was the most exciting thing that ever happened to me, and probably has ever happened since. You know, quite frankly, because it it you know it changed my life. Um, but yeah, it's been a long. It's been 25 years since I've been on TV, so that's a, that's a pretty good run. But I'm not saying that I'm, you know, I'm not retiring. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea. But I'm, you know, I can't see retiring. No, no, I know. I had Peter Mansbridge on the show a week or two ago, and as you know, Peter started this cross country tour now, and he's going to be in town in a couple of days. And I said, I, I don't see you sitting on the porch in your house in Stratford right now, just watching the cars go by. And and you're not going to do the same thing. I mean, there's a lot more uh, somewhere. You don't know what it is just yet, but something's going to happen. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. You know, my father uh, did retire at a pretty early age, but I have a I have a great kind of uh, notion of what that could be because, you know, 
my father, who ever, actually never liked his job, and I didn't know that because he's like one of those guys. He's such a great guy, but he just never, ever let his kids know that he didn't like going to work in the morning because he didn't like his job. I found that out many, many years after he left. And it's one of the reasons why I'm embarrassed to say how much I love my job, because I know there's a heck of a lot of people that go to work every morning, and boy, they're in, you know, they don't feel like they're going to the best job in the world like I do. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed talking about how great it is. But, but, you know, when my father retired, I don't have that view of people who retire and, you know, suddenly go to hell. I mean, Dad, like, acted in movies. He wrote a book. He ran for municipal politics. He built the fire hall. I mean, my God, if, if my, anything happened to my father tomorrow, there'd be like, you know, 17 widows who would need their fences fixed in about 10 minutes. I mean, he just, you know, he's just, he hasn't stopped since retirement. And uh, it's, uh, so I, I see it as something that's uh, all about opportunity. Is there something that you haven't done yet that you still want to do? I mean, you, you're an author, a TV star, obviously. I mean, you've done the documentary, the, the Talking to Americans, and, and so many other things. I mean, I, I don't want to go back to the bucket list analogy necessarily, but but you're a creative is. guy, though. So there's got to be something, well, a yearning for something. There probably is. There probably is. But I'm also lucky in the sense that I always wanted to be in TV, right? Even when I was a kid, I was like, it was the most fascinating thing to me in the world. And when I started working in TV, then the goal was what I always wanted was my own show. And that's what people who have, who are in TV want. And I've had that. So, you know, if you said to me tomorrow, like, would you like your own show? Uh, you know, next season, eight o'clock, what would it be? I basically describe the show that I'm doing now. Like I still love it. And it's the format that I always wanted. So I actually don't know what's next, but sure, there's going to be other things. And uh, there's a certain luxury in, um, and not having to worry about being on in prime time at 8 o'clock. Although never say never. I mean, who knows? But, uh, but uh, yeah, I'll be able to do whatever I want. But honestly, like, we've got 20, season, 20, 20 shows ahead of us. That's, that's a massive order for Canadian television. So that's really, it may sound cliche, but that's what I'm focused on right now. As you should be as well. And, and I don't want to get too melancholy about this being the final season, but in, in, as you look back on this, when you finally do finish off, uh, that's quite a legacy. I mean, and obviously the comedy stands on its own. It's brilliant week after week after week. But but you've raised a social consciousness about many issues. Uh, you've got people engaged in political debate because you're the catalyst for that. Uh, things like the Spread the Net program, which I think has really invigorated a whole generation of, of Canadian students to get involved in, in social issues like this. You've got to be pretty proud of that stuff. Uh, you know what? I have very, very few regrets the way the show has evolved over the years. And uh, and the, the spread the net stuff, uh, getting out the youth vote stuff, the things like that, that was something I never, ever anticipated that we would do, that the show would ever do. Uh, it just kind of evolved. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really proud of that, quite frankly. And uh, But uh, it was also good programming. Like, I never did anything for entirely altruistic reasons. Like, you know, we always knew we had to do a good show, and it's got to make for a good TV, and uh, and we've, we've stuck with that. So I don't think that, uh, you know, some might, people might disagree and say that if the whole show is on a soapbox, but I never really felt that we got up on a soapbox just for the sake of it or or for any other reason. Well, it's uh, the first of uh, the final season tomorrow night, of course, on CBC, the Mercer Report. Uh, looking forward to all 20 episodes, and uh, I know we'll talk a lot more about that as we get towards the final show, but uh, there's a lot of great stuff between now and then. Rick, thank you so much for the time, and uh, good luck so going forward. Appreciate talking. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Rick Mercer, the host of the Mercer Report, debuts for the 15th and final time tomorrow night on CBC. There's a little scoop for you. 
Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.